Welcome to the Hill City Church Podcast. We are a church family located in Springfield, Missouri. You can learn more about us and support our ministries at hillcitysgf.org. Good morning, Hill City. I will be reading from Ephesians 5, 1 through 20, a lot of passage. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children. And walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. But sexual immorality and all impurity or covetousness must not even be named among you, as is proper among saints. Let there be no filthiness, nor foolish talk, nor crude joking, which are out of place, but instead let there be thanksgiving. For you may be sure of this, that everyone who is sexually immoral or impure or is covetous, has no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore, do not become partners with them, for at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of God, for the fruit of the light is found in all that is good and right and true, and try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of the things that they do in secret. But when anything that is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore it says, Awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Look carefully, then, how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. This is the word of God for the people of God and all of God's people said, Amen. You may be seated. Well, here we go. Uh, Exciting passage this morning, huh? Here's what I want to do out of the gate. I'm going to ask you, uh, give me grace this morning. There's a lot here, and we're going to leave a lot of meat on the bone, just so you know. It'll be a lot for you to discuss later with your city group or with your people. Um, We're going to talk about some hard things. Um, so what we're going to do now is now I'm going to go to the Lord. I'm going to ask him to give me grace and to give us grace as we dive into this passage. So let's bow our heads if you would. Father, we love you. We thank you for your word. Uh, nothing is in there by accident. You inspired it. You breathed it out. Uh, thank you for Paul who wrote it. Open our eyes that we can behold awesome things from your word this morning. Amen. All right. So last week we had our little stickers. You guys remember they had build on them. And hopefully you've been putting in a blank of what it is that you uh, would like to build within your life. And then in turn, uh, we together are building something. And if if I want to start us off this morning, I want to start us off with the, the fact that we corporately can build a sweet life. Quite literally. What do I mean by that? In 2 Corinthians chapter 2, 15, I know it's on our passage, but it says this. 
It says, for we, that, so that's us, that's this new humanity, by the way. For we are the aroma of Christ to God. And then, I know you, you probably heard Trey read this. You read this like, all right, here we go. We're doing the sexual morality thing. We're going to talk about all the stuff. And, and, and yeah, we are, but, but I don't want you to miss what was really embedded in these 20 verses. And that was that the sweet life is available to us. So let's jump in. Verse 1 says, now therefore, now this goes back. When you see that word therefore, you got to go to what Paul wrote prior to this. He's saying we are the new humanity. We are not who we once were because we're following Jesus now. And he said, because of that, be imitators of God as beloved children. So, so this is like... This is like when a kid imitates uh, his or her father. So, so recently, I was unable to be at one of my daughter's basketball games. And you guys, you guys that know me know I just, ugh, nothing puts me in a worse mood, right, than missing my kids' games. It's like, that, but sometimes it just, it just has to happen. So my wife shoots me a text, and it's a picture, and it's of my son. Now, you can hardly see this, but here he is off to the side, leaning against the wall. Now, why would he do such a thing? What kind of psycho is this kid? Well, I wasn't there. Someone needed to go off to the side and lean against the wall and watch his sister play in order to have the proper conversations after the game. Okay? Now, to be clear, we do sports in our home for fun, but that's secondary because winning is fun. <laughs> and that you raise your kids how you want to, I'm going to raise mine how I want to. But it was hilarious. It, almost, it actually almost brought me to tears. Brody, was, he was just imitating me. And the Bible says, listen, because of who you are now, go imitate your dad. And the thing about Brody imitating me is I'm pretty jacked up, but our God the Father is not jacked up. Let's imitate him. And that's how he comes out of the, the gate. Now, how do we imitate our Father? This passage, I believe, would tell us the way we imitate our Father is to walk in love, to walk in light, and to walk in wisdom. I hope you didn't miss that as we were reading this passage. We've talked about this before. Walk means to live. It means it, the meaning of walk is to live your life. How do you live your life? Ephesians mentions the word walk a lot. Your walk, your walk. That just means your life. How do we imitate God our Father? We walk, we live our lives in love. We live our lives in light and we live our lives in wisdom. In other words, we live our lives just like Jesus did. He was our example. So verse 2 takes us right there. And walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and a sacrifice to God. So as Christ loved, right? Christ lived and he died for the good of others. That is love. To love is to act on behalf of another's interests. We're not talking about romantic, attractive love here that just, that just, just flees. We're talking about a love that lasts forever, and, it, and this is a love that, it, that acts on the behalf of the other person's interest. That's what Jesus did. And he says, this is how 
you should walk. But he says, when we do this, which we can do it, by the way, the reason we can do it is because Jesus first loved us, right? We can love because we were loved. But when we do this, the Bible says it's a sweet-smelling offering. When we walk in love, it is a sweet-smelling offering. It's a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. So I'm going to stay on the, on the theme uh, of sports here. We have a young congregation, so, I'm, so, so you won't, some of you won't know who this is, okay? Um, so let's do a little trivia. Ah, all right. Listen, that's Walter Payton. But to the football fans, his name is? Oh, Sweetness. That was his nickname, Sweetness. Now listen, why, why was his name Sweetness? No one really knows, I don't think. But, but here's the thing about Walter Payton, the way that he played football, right? They say that he played football the way it was meant to be played. And what do you mean by that? Well, he was, he was so tough. And, but, but yet he was so graceful and he had speed. And he had, a good, he had, he had like the, just the right amount of like grit. But he also played the game with grace. And you would watch him play. And you didn't know if he was going to truck you or if he's going to just break your ankles and leave you. And it, was just, and it was just sweetness to watch. He played football the way it was meant to be played. And I think as we look in Ephesians and we see this passage here, that God desires sort of that, that, that I mean, it's kind of, kind of a good example, I think, because he desires that for our lives. In other words, we can live our lives the way God meant for them to be lived, and it can be sweetness. What it, how, how, does he, how does he mean for us to, to live? Well, we, we offer our lives of obedience to him, we obey what he tells us to do, and it's a sweet fragrance. It's sweetness. If you think about sacrifices in the Old Testament, man, some of them would have just been like gross smelling. But there were, there were some that weren't. And the Bible actually uses a phrase that, that, that these sacrifices in the Old, Old Testament were, were pleasing aromas to the Lord. And that's what we want of our lives. A pleasing aroma of trust in God that's displayed through our obedience. Romans 12, 1 and 2 says, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what, the will, what God's will is, his good and pleasing and perfect will. And we know part of God's will for us is that we walk in love. So then immediately he gets into verses 3 through 5, right? And he contrasts love with sexual immorality, with impurity, and with covetousness. Now the impurity and, and the covetousness is actually all in the same vein with this sexual immorality. And, this, and, and a life of, of, of sexual impurity. And the word that Paul uses here for sexual morality is the word, uh, the Greek word is porneo, right? And you're hearing that immediately, like, oh, heard that word before, and it's where, it is where we get our word for porn or pornography. What does he mean when he says porneo? He means anything that is outside of God's design for a married man and a married woman. Anything. 
So his design, which is made clear to us in Genesis chapter 2, anything outside of that design is, is in the category of porneo. So, so I have to go here with you. I need you to understand. Some of you may be visiting. And maybe, maybe you just need to know this about me, okay? I have lived life outside of God's design. So, so this isn't some guy up here going, you and you and you better and you better and you better. I have experienced this outside of God's design. And I have lived and I'm living inside of God's design. And I can tell you one is sweetness. And one is very destructive. See, many of the Ephesian Christians that, that Paul would have sent this letter to, if we go to their town, they would have participated in some pretty messed up things, actively participated. There were temple rituals. You guys remember the temple of Artemis? And I told you last week about if I could sum up Ephesus for you. We, gave, we give Corinth the bad rap, but Ephesus was just as jacked up. Ephesus was all, it was sex, it was violence, it was prostitution. Rampant among Ephesus. And many of the people in the congregation, in this church of Ephesus, would have participated in these things prior to knowing Jesus. And Paul is saying, listen, if you remember last week, we talked about the ethnos. See, we're, we're a new humanity. They're, 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 those of us who are following Jesus, and then there's the ethnos. Well, always among the ethnos is a counterfeit to what God offers as the real thing. And this is no different than from love. God tells us what love is. He tells us to walk in love. But what happens in the ethnos is they offer a counterfeit. And it's pitched to us. And it was pitched to them in Ephesus as something that was sweet. But it's not sweet. It's actually a destructive lie. And we're not so different from Ephesus amen we're just not things are still we are bombarded with lies about what love is and what love should be we are bombarded about what freedom is and it's counterfeit and Paul says listen this isn't who you are and once again, the more you read Paul, the more you learn, like he just repeats things. He just, he says the same thing, but he says things in different ways. And over and over and over and to these, to the church in Ephesus, he's saying, just be who you are. So we got to talk, church. We got to have a talk this morning. So we're going to hang in our town a little more today. So when I, as Trey was reading this, and even as I'm talking about the porneo, right, and, and, and within God's design, there were likely some things that came to your mind. Okay, here, I'm just going to name kind of the big three among us, okay? Okay, sex outside of marriage, right? Adultery, homosexuality, all, those are kind of the big three. We talk about those in church a lot, right? Listen, if those came to your mind, I just want to tell you, rightfully so. Let's just start there. Rightfully so. However, I want to say it again, and purposefully, 
porneo is anything outside of God's design for a married man and a married woman. Anything outside of God's design is a counterfeit. And Paul tells the Ephesians, the Ephesian Christians, and, and, and it's, it's still relevant for us today. These should not be named among us. These should not be named among us. Paul says, be who you are. And he says, you're saints, actually. These should not be named among the saints. And if you're following Jesus this morning, the Bible teaches us pretty clearly that you are a saint. That word saint means you are, you are a, a holy one. You have been made right by the work of Jesus, so you are a saint. And he's saying, listen, this isn't proper for the saints. He's saying this is actually kind of like, it's, it's actually you need to act appropriately to who you are. So let's just take a, 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 a kind of a fun example of this. Of, of, of maybe something that would be inappropriate. So you guys know I'm, you know, big, big Cardinal fan, big baseball fan. So if you can imagine, it's, it's Yachty and Wayno's last year, okay? So imagine if we were fortunate enough to like, okay, y here comes Yachty walking up. And like, I'm going to get his autograph. Okay, for those of you, Yachty or Molina is the catcher for the Cardinals. Some of you. Yachty. But imagine pulling out like, a Chicago Cubs hat and be like, hey, Yachty, will you sign this? Listen to me. I'm telling you he would respectfully decline because that would be inappropriate. It just would. Right? That, that's, that's inappropriate for a Cardinal fan to pull out a Cubs hat and ask a Cardinal to sign that. And I know it's kind of a silly example, but Paul's saying, listen, these things that I'm telling you, all this porneo, this, this impurity, it's not even supposed to be named among you. That's like, that's inappropriate for who you are. Behave appropriately within your identity. He has spent tons of words on establishing our identity, who we are in Christ. And then now he's just getting very practical, and he's saying, just behave within that identity. Be who you are. So we're still talking. We're still talking about this, okay? So, so we're going to address some cultural things here today, okay? And here... I hope to maybe even equip you a little bit this morning, but I hope that maybe some of you who, who may, okay, where am I on some of this, that, that maybe I can show you, bring some clarity. I don't know, this is why I'm just praying so much for God's grace this morning, but let's just talk briefly about cultural responses to sexuality, cultural responses to sexual immorality. And you'll hear this in the ethnos a lot. Number one, this phrase you're going to hear in the ethnos a lot. And it's like, well, God is love. Yes. And just kindly you might be like, hey, how do you know that? Well, the Bible says it. Well, where does it say that? And usually you're going to end that conversation with the ethnos right there. But here's what I, here, here's what I would suggest. When the ethnos says God is love and they're like and they're using that to justify a way of life here's really what they're saying and I believe they're saying this well love is God 
And really what they mean is who I love and how I love is actually God. And actually I'm God. And who I love and how I love is, no, love is none of your business. Leave me alone. And it's, and, it, and, it's, and it's clothed in what God is love. And don't get me started on the phrase love is love. That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard in my life. There's not even a conversation to be had around that phrase. Well, love is love. Well, the chair is a chair. <laughs> what, what, you're saying nothing. Okay, number two. Some of you may have been like, oh gosh, here we go. I finally came to a church. We're at one of these closed-minded churches again. Who are you up there, your stupid glasses, to tell me who I can love and how I can love. Here we go again. So as I'm prepping this, my wife, I, I, I always try to run sermons by my wife. And she's so kind and she's like, listen, hey, because I'm like, babe, I don't even want to preach this. I should have had somebody else preach this. <laughs> <laughs> and she's like, hey, maybe just try to ask some questions. and Because she knows my tone. And just so you know, I'm well aware of my tone. I'm trying so hard this morning. So let me, let, me, let me try to ask you a question, okay? Is there anything wrong with anything? You ever think about that? Is there anything wrong with anything? Because we can walk the streets and, and talk to the ethnos, we can talk in here, and I think it's safe to say most people will tell you in some conversation, this is right and this is wrong about something. So then the question is, well, who says? Like, who? First of all, is there anything wrong with anything? And then if there is, then the question is, well, who determines? You? Me? And listen, church, you know, you know, Paul's writing this letter to believers. I'm speaking to Christ followers this morning, and we need to understand that the creator of the universe determines for us. And he breathed out words into a book, and this book that he breathed out runs our lives. So we, listen, we don't get to like pick and choose Meaning, we don't go, we, we don't go to the Bible and, and read and see what it says about sexuality and think, well, no, that's old, that doesn't count, that's actually, that just doesn't apply anymore. But then go to the Bible and say, hey, well, here's what the Bible says about mercy and about justice, and we need to pay close attention to this. Like, we don't get to pick. So let, let me just talk a cup to, to some demographic in general here this morning, Okay. If, if you are, let's say, 40 years old and up, in general, you're pretty cool with what the Bible says about sexuality. And, and, and you will tend to disregard what the Bible says about justice and mercy. And in general, if you're below 40, you're digging what the Bible's telling us about justice and mercy. But you're not, you just kind of disregard what the Bible says about sexuality. And in general, both demographics are wrong. Are you with me? We don't get to do that, church. This is 
our ultimate and final authority on every area. There is something wrong with something, and we go to the creator of the universe and let him tell us what it is. That makes no sense to the ethnos. So don't ever expect it to. Third thing, culturally. Well, you know, your stance on this stuff is just a little over the top. And I don't, listen, for time's sake, I, I mean, we could spend weeks on this, okay? Just, just in the arena, uh, in the arena of, of, of sexual impurity, okay? J- just briefly, I'm going to explain what happens when we do things outside of God's design. Just maybe with a sentence. And here it is. We make promises with our bodies that our lives are unwilling to make. That's a really, really big deal. And there is significant baggage that comes with that kind of a promise. And, 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 I need, and, I, and I have to say this this morning because there's this balance and you want to use the word tension, whatever, but like, listen, I don't want anyone to like feel this overwhelming like sense of shame this morning. That is not the goal. But some of us need to feel some godly sorrow and conviction this morning. When, when we do this and we make these promises, there are lasting effects. And we need to understand and go to God's word and understand that, that when he tells us these things, that it's actually not limiting, it's actually very loving. So fourth, fourth thing culturally, and this may hit some people this morning, and I, and I hope if you're here this morning, that, that God has this for you. You might be like, Brad, I believe you. I don't, I don't, I'm not, I believe you. But I've already screwed this up so many times. Like, I don't know what to do. So now let's go back to their town. The people Paul wrote this letter to, they did too. They messed this up pretty royally also prior to knowing Jesus. And then you're like, well, yeah, but I know Jesus. And man, I've tried so many times to overcome and, and I just want you this morning, if you get nothing else, if that's you this morning, I want to offer you hope. Right? Because there are issues w- within our church. And there are people that struggle, whether that's with sexual addiction or just some things. And, and I just want you to understand, like, think about what I talked la- about last week when, when we talked about change. If you look back on your life and say, man, where, where was I five years ago? Where was I three years ago? Where was I a year ago? And I'm just telling you, you might struggle with, some, with these things for the rest of your life. But God isn't calling you in, in, in any arena. He doesn't call you to perfection. He calls you to trust in him. And if you see a little bit of progress, thank him for it. And then get up tomorrow and be faithful and just make a little bit more progress. But there is hope. And if this is you and you're still fighting these struggles, I, I really do want to push you to like, man, get into God's word, but don't just stop there and do that alone. Get into God's community. Hear from God's people. Let God's people help you. 
This isn't, some, this isn't a letter to an individual. This is a letter to a corporate body of people. And we are in this together, church. We can have the sweet life if we walk in love and we are not settling for counterfeits. But he doesn't just stop there. He doesn't just say walk in love. He says also we can walk in light. For at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. Be who you are, Hill City. We are children of light. Now, he says something pretty harsh. He says, you were darkness. That sounds kind of mean. No, that's just truth. The ethnos is darkness. And we have been made light, 1 Peter 2.9, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood. This is, this is identity. This is who we are. We're royal. We are a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that we may proclaim the excellencies of him who did what? who called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. We were darkness, we are now light. So we need to walk in light. Now that would be very unloving if I'm like, go walk in light. And some of y'all be like, yeah. What's that mean? How do we walk in light? Well, he kind of tells us here. We do what is good and what is right and what is true. But we don't just do what's good and right and true. We also expose what is not good and what is not right and what is not true. So let's talk about this personally. We have to be a people who confess sin. Okay? We need to confess our sin because that's actually what leads to freedom, by the way, and healing, by the way. So some of you maybe feel, feel, feel messed up and, and you're like, you need healing this morning. It will confess that will bring healing. Then you receive God's grace and then you repent. Like this should mark our lives. This is the thing that should mark the life of a believer. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. we got to be people who confess. We, that's what light, that, that, that's shining light. But we don't just stop there. What do we do publicly? Because it's not just a personal thing, it's also a public thing. We must be people who walk in integrity and character. That is walking in light. That means we have to be the same wherever we go, church. Christ follower, you don't compartmentalize your life with Jesus and just do it here and then be someone else over here. That's not what walking in integrity is. That means we follow Jesus in all areas of our life we obey Jesus everywhere all the time not just one day a week two days a week or around a certain group of people that's not what walking in light is here's another example of how we should walk in light we must not sit passively by and not expose things that are dark now I could I could go all day on examples of this okay I'm going to go with one today. We have a lot of young profession, uh, professionals in this church. And, and listen, I know for a fact what, what, what goes on. And let me just give you an example, okay? Um, sometimes Christian men and women are asked to participate in things with coworkers. 
that, they sh- that should not be named among believers. So here's an example. And again, I'm not pulling this out of thin air. This is, this is real stuff. Like, like, hey, we're out on a business trip. We're going to the gentleman's club, which there's nothing gentle or manly about. Let's be clear about this. And at that moment, you have a choice. I can be who I am, meaning a child of the light, or I cannot. And some of you may respectfully decline that invitation, but you might say something like, yeah, I'm tired. I'm, gonna, I'm, just, I'm, I'm tired, I'm going to go back to my room. And here's what I want to tell you. I hope that's not the reason that you don't participate as a follower of Jesus. That's, that's it? That's, that's really why you're not going to do that? Because you're tired? I hope not. See, it's your job as a follower of Jesus to expose things that are dark. And I'm not talking like, hey, you're an idiot, you're a rotten sinner. No, no, no. no. There, there's a tactful and a humble way to do this. Hey, we're going over here to this club. We're going over here to this gentleman's club. Hey, jump in and go with us. Um, hey, here's the deal. I appreciate you inviting me. Um, I'm not going to do that, and let me tell you why. So I follow Jesus, and I'm not saying I'm better than you in any way, right? It's by his grace. But I also think that every person inside of that place is created in the image of God. Furthermore, that is like the headquarters for human trafficking. And I refuse to participate in that because that's evil and that's dark. And they'll never get a dime of my money because I have a king, and I'm going to honor him. You see the difference? See? That's, that's so not, I'm just tired. I'm just not. Give me a break. Have some courage. Be a child of the light. Walk in light. Man, we still have a lot to get through. Just hold on. We got to do this, okay? I know some of you are like, man, you skipped something. I know, I need you to go back to verse 5 and 6. I don't want to talk about this, but I'm going to. For you may be sure of this. That's pretty strong words, isn't it? You may be sure of this. That everyone who is sexually immoral or impure or who is covetous, that is, an idolater, has no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. But no one deceive you. Don't be deceived. That was real. Don't be deceived. Verse 5 was real. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Oh gosh, here we go again. I'm going to talk about the wrath of God and hellfire brimstone. Um, let me just start right here. If you are following Jesus, if you have passed from death to life, you do not have to worry about verse 5 and 6. Be clear about that. But just briefly, I just got to talk about God's wrath and make sure you understand what it isn't. God's wrath isn't from some grumpy person that loses their temper and throws something at your head. You know what I'm saying? That's not what God's wrath is. See, he's perfect. That's what, that's what our wrath might look like, but that's not what God's wrath is. God's wrath is righteous, judicial punishment of the guilty. And we all understand that. 
And when we understand God's wrath, it's actually very loving and it's actually illuminating. It shines light on things. Are you with me? Okay, so listen. So who is he talking about? Where where does this fall? I'm talking. This falls on people who are actively and willfully and unrepentantly and unrepentantly and rebelliously just doing whatever they want to do apart from God's design. This isn't talking about the person that's following Jesus that has some struggles in their life that they're working through. Okay, so don't read something into this. If you're following Jesus, you do not have to worry about this. So we walk in love. We walk in light. Man, that's the sweet life, but it doesn't end there. The third way that we live or the third way that we walk is in wisdom. Wisdom. Wisdom is a skill. That means it's something that we can develop over time. Wisdom is the skill of, of, of taking proper knowledge and understanding and taking that into our decision making. That, that is wisdom. And you need to understand something like Christianity is not like this mechanism that's really neat and tidy, like, like maybe directions to, to a board game or something. You know what I mean? I haven't opened a board game in years, so maybe they're not neat and tidy. But, but my point is like there, th- we, we have situations that come along in our life that you can't just go to the Bible to and it says, okay, when this happens, do this. It's just not that neat. So we must have wisdom. There are a lot of things that the Bible doesn't specifically address. Now, here's the reality. Too many years, Christ followers have just been begging for rules. Just give me rules. Make it neat and tidy. Give me rules. And for too many years, pastors have obliged. All right, you want rules? I'll give you rules. And then what they do is they, they, they make rules that aren't even in the Bible. And we're not going to do that here. And if you're, if you're that person, like, man, just make it easy for me. Tell me what to do and what not to do. I would say what, the, what the, uh, Solomon said when he says, how long, O oh, simple ones, will you love simplicity? That's just not how it works. So, so now let's talk about sin versus folly and why we need wisdom. I'll give you some examples. Maybe examples in relationships, examples in our job, examples with money. So, let's talk about relationships. Did you know it is not a sin for a married person to just, a married person can regularly spend time alone with someone of the opposite sex. Did you know that? You can't go to the Bible and it say, don't do that. That is a sin. It doesn't say that. But I will tell you this, it's really, really stupid. Okay? It's foolish. You need to walk in wisdom. It's not a sin, in some cases, to date a particular person. Now, if they're an unbeliever, it is. Don't be dating unbelievers, single people. But there are, there are some people who you can date, and it's not a sin to date them. And they may be following Jesus, but even though they're following Jesus, it could be really, really stupid for you to date that person. Well, how do I know? Wisdom. You can take a job, you can quit a job, and and that wouldn't be disobeying God to take a certain job or to quit a certain job, whatever, but it could be folly, it could be very unwise. 
So how do I know? Well, you got to get wisdom. Yeah, but how do I do that? Well, put yourself around wise people. Just very practically, put yourself around God's wise people. And ask them, you have big decisions in your life, you have something you don't understand, go to the people who love you, who you know who are wise, and then pray a ton about it and ask the Spirit for wisdom. And I'm telling you that those two things will change your life. And then here at the end of this passage, he, he builds one end of the passage. And he talks about do not get drunk with wine. He says, listen, don't, don't get drunk. We, listen, church, we don't do that. Okay? I don't, I don't know how else to tell you. We, we don't do that anymore. And again, is drinking a sin? No. Can it be really, really stupid? Yes. So let's kind of wrap this up. So maybe there are some of you in here, and your lives have actually been marked by all sexual purity. You've done it God's way. You've lived inside of God's design. And listen, I just want to tell you, I commend you. I pray to the Lord Jesus. That's the story for my kids. I hope my kids have such a boring testimony. Okay? And if that's you, awesome. Maybe you have actually never even had alcohol on your lips. You've never been drunk in your life. I hope, listen, I commend you. I hope my kids will tell me the same thing. Both of these are good. They're within God's good design. But I want us to be careful as we look at what the ways we can have the sweet life. I want us to be careful and not believe that justification comes by sobriety or sexual purity or getting wisdom or not saying bad words. Are you with me? Listen, all those are within God's good design. That is not how you are justified before a holy God. You are justified before a holy God by faith alone in Jesus Christ alone. See, Jesus did the work. If you're serving communion, I want you to come up. Jesus was our example. He lived this life of love. He lived a life of light. He lived a life of wisdom. And there was, listen, was there not sweetness in the life of Jesus? Is it not the sweetest thing that has ever happened on the planet, this life of Jesus, the perfect life? And this life is actually available to us. Those of us who have passed from death to life, we actually have this life, the Bible tells us, because of the ultimate sacrifice of Jesus Christ. I want us to have a life that is sweet. So we come, we come to the table because this sweet life is available. And we have this meal of thanksgiving. That's what this is. We are thankful for what Jesus did for us. And Paul ends this passage. He's like, listen, give thanks always. So, so that's what the sweet life sounds like. It sounds like a group of thankful people. 
And we're thankful for Jesus and what he did for us. Stand with me.